depression, anxiety, talk about it with me. Strange dreams, same page, safe place, therapy is great, and this ain't the same, but we're crying behind sunglasses anyway. Crying behind sunglasses. Hey, 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 Sunnies. Welcome back to Crying Behind Sunglasses, a mental health podcast for cool people. I'm Katie Dahl, and I am so happy that you stepped into my fuzzy, safe space little world. I just want to remind you that whatever it is you're going through out there, you are not alone. So, how am I doing? Uh, after several years of not drinking caffeine, I've started working it slowly back into my routine. I used to be kind of afraid of it and felt like I needed to eliminate it because of my anxiety, uh, which was true because it would give me that heart racing kind of feeling. But now I'm feeling the itch. I'm feeling motivated and excited about conquering a lot of things post-pandemic, but I'm also feeling a lack of energy. And now that I have a lot more tools to be able to manage my anxiety, I'm able to notice the difference between my heart rate going up a little bit because I had a cup of coffee versus my heart rate spinning out of control from uh, a panic attack or something like that. So I've started drinking more coffee again. And let me tell you, after not having it for a while, Oh boy, it is a powerful drug. I feel like I'm getting so many more things done in a day. So I get it. And I am back on the coffee train. We'll see how long that lasts. Uh, If you're new here, welcome. Uh, This podcast is not meant to be a substitute for medical advice or therapy. I'm not a doctor. I'm just someone who really cares about your mental health. Uh, And again, if you're new here, thank you uh, for being here. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you're coming back, thank you for listening. Please leave a review on iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps us out. Uh, Also, I have a private Facebook support group uh, by the same name of this podcast. It's at facebook.com slash group slash crying behind pod. And after the episode, if you want to learn more about anything that me and my guests talk about, you can go to cryingbehindpod.com. That's where I put up all of our episode guides. You can also check out on Instagram at crying behind pod. I put up video clips and inspirational quotes from our guests, things like that. So who do we have today? Well, Today's guest is feminine and masculine coach and artist Madeline Moon. We discuss sexuality and why it is important for your mental health. Learning to embody your feelings so that you can know it's safe to feel anything. We also talk about different relationship dynamics and how you can energize your sex life for regardless of your relationship status. This is really powerful stuff, people. Also, the concept of artistic intimacy, how to communicate your needs in the bedroom in a loving way. Uh, Small trigger warning, as always, almost always in these things, I just like to take care of my sonnies and make sure you don't hear anything that might send you into a spiral. So trigger warning, childhood abuse, emotional abuse, eating disorders, uh, and just general sexuality things. I don't know if anybody's triggered by things that are sexy. I think they're great. (laughs) So without further ado, please enjoy. Today's guest, we're going to touch on a lot of topics that I don't think we've had the chance to dive into yet on this show. So I'm very excited. She is a masculine feminine coach, a polarity teacher. She has uh, one of the top 50 podcasts uh, ranked. It's called Mind Body Musings. She's an artist. What can't she do? Please welcome Madeline Moon. (laughs) Hi. Thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. Of course. No, I love to just like pump people up. Mm, I appreciate that. That's, being on the opposite side of, of a lot of podcasts of like interviewing people, I know there is so much joy and it is so fun to like bring people in and then just like kind of worship them for an hour and then and then put it out into the world. It's really quite delightful. It Not is. to say you have to worship me, but like it, whenever I'm interviewing, that's really what it feels like. Who knows? By the end of this interview, I might. So <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, full disclosure. Um, I think we found each other through Instagram and I was very intrigued by everything that you're doing because you're working with the masculine and the feminine and sexuality in a way that's not just like, oh, hi, I have an OnlyFans. Nothing that, th- not that there's anything wrong with having an OnlyFans, but a lot of people are just like, oh, hi, here's my body. I'm sexy. Let's talk about sex versus I feel like you're diving into a lot of deeper topics, uh, which I really appreciate. What is it that originally drew you to this work? Like what awakened you to your own sexuality in a way that you wanted to to work on this? So I'm 29 Uh and this process has taken my entire life. And I know for some people, it sounds like it's, it's an early awakening, but it's, for me, it's all that I know of starting my life in a very repressive state. I was born and raised in Texas and I was in a Baptist church community where purity culture was at the front of the lines. Like everything was really surrounding being pure, keeping your delicate flowers safe and making sure that you stay worthy enough for a man to one day want to bring you into his family. Mm. And if you slept with someone before that man, then he may say no to marrying you. So that was a a very constant thing I was raised with is this reminder that men are the ones to choose the woman. Men are also not to be trusted. They're all liars. Uh, Men only want, or boys, because I was young, so boys only want one thing. Um, And and these these messages were, were fueled by, well, fueled through the lens of this is what you need to do to be loved. Um, and that's really the, the tip of it. I also was raised in a very abusive household, like a lot of people mm, are, a lot yeah. of psychological, spiritual, and emotional mm. abuse. And so I had OCD, I had eating disorders, I had major anxiety issues, and my parents the whole time just thought it was like, oh, that's just this cute little thing she's doing, locking all the doors at night. Or, oh, that's kind of a cute thing. She just has little like panic moments whenever something in her bedroom is out of place. It was so cute to them, or it was a nuisance if my cry was too loud. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I mean, and it's interesting. I think a lot of parents will write it off that way. Like for me, I have anxiety, I have panic disorders. And like, if you look back, you definitely could have seen the signs when I was a kid. I'm having a meltdown over every single test. I'm trying to make everything perfect, you know? And like you said, oh, it's cute. She cares so much about her schoolwork. It's like, "Mm, maybe Mm -hmm. we should look into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. And, and there was no, um, I mean, at the heart of it for me personally was that there was an immense fear and lack of acceptance around my emotions, my emotional mm. states. And so that's what took me into eating disorders and eventually bodybuilding is because I was trying to create a physical armor around my, my body because I thought that the more dense my body was, the less I would be able to feel the tenderness of my heart because mm. I equated and in deep in my nervous system, there's still some kinks around love equaling being controlled, love meaning being silenced, love meaning being abused. And a lot of our nervous systems hold that. So this is where the sexuality component comes in over the course of 10 years. Like I really started with like, oh, what's a vibrator? <laughs> and like yeah, surface yeah. level, I was, surface level. Yeah, I was reading on your website, I think, or so, maybe on your Instagram that you had not um, pleasured yourself at all until college. Yeah, there was no masturbation till college. I didn't even watch uh, porn until like three years ago for the first time. I was like, what is this about? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I mean, I... Part of my, my uh, there's a lot of like anti-porn programs in my church and it was just a huge topic in my household of like, how do we stop boys from, yes. from, falling, from, from falling prey to the sins of women? It was all the woman's fault. Yeah, no, so much so, guilt and shame around sex. Mm, and purity it's culture tough. is shame, slut, is slut shaming, period. Mm. Purity culture is slut shaming. That's all it is. Yeah. We really need to wrap our heads around that in religious households outside of religious households, like anytime you are talking to a woman or a boy in that kind of way, or a man in that kind of way, is that it is the woman's responsibility or slut shaming mm. or putting like there, there's a difference now between the way I, like my sexuality is something that's sacred and it is to be seen as holy. And I am married to the divine, but it's a totally different way than when I was 16 
with my mother putting a promise ring on my ring finger saying, you're now married to God and you can't be married to anybody else and, and like have any kind of union until you are officially married. And mm-hmm. then you can trade this promise ring with God for a marriage ring. <laughs> and now, now I'm like, I'm so married to God, the divine, but it's in a totally different way. Like it's in a sexy way. So maybe we can, we can get there in a minute. Cause that's kind of a, a big topic. But. That's very interesting. We're, we're married yeah. to a sexy God now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like I, I, my, to me, like, you know, studying Tantra and being in this, this kind of like energy field in the world where I believe we discover and enter a union with the divine through intimacy whether it involves genitals or not, anytime we're being in a state of intimacy with the world or with partner or with other, we are in a union with the divine. We're like actually feeling that oceanic love that Mm. we're wanting to feel so badly. So my, just to wrap up this part around my my journey. Oh yeah, like um, how you got, how you came around to this work, which is so interesting. Yeah, so about um, five years ago, I started going down I don't know how I was first introduced to the concepts of feminine masculine but I was and my entire body was like this is it this is what I need to dedicate my path to my purpose to and the the lineage that I study from I can't tell you exactly where the beginning of the beginning is the feminine masculine energies have been around from the dawn of time but I have trained directly for years with John Wineland Kendra Kunov and they have studied with David Data. So if anyone's read The Way of the Superior Man, it's a lot of the teachings that I bring to the table, but also in a very different way. Like mm. I've put my own spin on it. So I found this work about five years ago, and it's not what a lot of people think that it is. The feminine isn't like surrender or the masculine's hustle. It's fuck no. It's so, so different from that. It's so much deeper. Yeah. I was listening to you on your podcast. You were saying something like, this is paraphrasing, that the, the feminine is energy and the masculine is like a container for that energy. Is that yeah kind of accurate mm-hmm. so masculine is consciousness okay so it's in which which you know if we have consciousness here it container is like a, by, a byproduct of that or a manifestation of that the heart of it is consciousness so you can think about this as the part of you and me and our partners and our friends the part of them and us that has never changed So can you feel that part of you? That's just pure consciousness. Yeah. It's not personality. It's not actor. It's not daughter. It's not friend. It's, it's not the person who likes tacos and doesn't like this. (laughs) It's it's like just that bright little bulb of light. That's consciousness that when you die, we'll go back into the ether, join the big bulb of consciousness with all the other consciousnesses and then come back down in the next life. Mm-hmm. That part, that little thing. And that next life, they'll still be eating tacos. Probably. <laughs> you never know though. Maybe not. Like maybe you I end know. up being someone that's like super odd. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, okay. So there, there's this part of you deep down that has never really changed. Um, I like to think about that a lot also when I'm thinking about mental health, because a lot of people will get caught up in their negative thoughts and they will identify with those thoughts. And I find what can help is when you detach, right? And you say, you're not your thoughts, you're the observer behind those thoughts, right? And that's that same kind of essence where it's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're this deep down thing that is not identified with all these external influences. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the way that I personally do, it's, it's similar to what you're saying, it's gonna sound opposite, but it's really sure. the same end conclusion is that I, is there is a detaching from those thoughts, but actually there's an embodiment piece that's really important that people skip over. Oh, interesting. So what you're speaking to is the masculine that says, I've got all these thoughts. I'm going to hold it all. Mm-hmm. So the masculine's the observer. It's the part of you that's never changed. So the masculine, let's say I'm really dealing with jealousy. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that for an example, my masculine inside of me, my own masculine, because we all have both mm-hmm. goes okay, let's, let's make this moment deep. Let's not just skip over it. Let's not make it small. Let's not ignore it. Let's make it deep. I'm going to bring in some depth by creating a container because the masculine is also about depth. So my masculine's like, I've got you. I want you to embrace this feeling in its totality. 
for like 90 seconds. Let's mm-hmm. create a container around this. So my masculine sets up the stage and is like kind of being stern with me saying, you're going to feel this. Don't skip over it. And then gives me a boundary. So 90 seconds of full embodiment. And then my feminine piece is the part of me that goes, okay, I guess I'll do that. And then grabs a plastic bat and then fucking goes to town on my bed, kicking and screaming and fully embodying my jealousy for 90 seconds. Like go so deep into the core of jealousy because if something is still lingering, chances are you haven't touched it fully yet. Yeah. And that's what, what, why, why I don't really love the, the, this immediately skipping over to detaching. Cause that is a key. It really is a key saying, this isn't my thought, but there's a part around going, this isn't my thought, or this isn't me. And let's fully embody it for a small period of time. Let it take us over and feel the sensation fully of jealousy or anger. Yeah. Let's experience it fully. Experience so it. we and know then- what it is that we're detaching from and we can get to know ourselves better. Yeah. And uh, and it's it's actually telling your body you're safe to feel. Mm-hmm. It's not so much about like getting to know yourself better. It's more of your physical body has an association that anytime I feel blank, I am no longer safe. Mm-hmm. So we keep obsessing over it. If I if I'm a bad person, then I'm not going to be safe. No one's going to love me. I'm going to end up homeless. I'm going to die. If I'm a, if I'm a weak person, I'm going to look like mommy and mommy was abused by daddy. Yeah. And I don't want to look anything like mommy. And I want to always be able to be in control and like blah, blah, blah. So those thoughts keep going and going and going and going to trying to keep us safe. The problem is there's no actual embodiment component telling your nervous system that you're safe. You're getting nothing done in the mind. So when you go into your bedroom and you embody something for even 90 seconds, your body starts to have this new pathway that says, oh, it's safe to be a warrior or to be a slut or to be jealous or anger. I'm actually not getting beaten for that, or I'm not being abused for that or left out in the cold for that. You don't want your mind to get it. You really don't. You want your body to get it. Yes. So then you can start to detach. Yeah. Cause we store so many emotions in our bodies. Like Mm -hmm. I used to teach yoga and I remember sometimes you put people into certain poses and they just start crying and then they would freak out and be like, no, 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 this is good. Just let it out. You know, Mm -hmm. because sometimes your body knows more (laughs) than you do. Always, always. Yeah. Yeah. We can, I mean, logic is great and understanding things is great. Talk therapy is great but your body is going to be the, the, the messenger of what isn't fully being embraced or what's not being accepted and what's actually running the show. Mm. We just aren't used to listening to that. We're not used to slowing down enough because we're moving so fast. We are moving fast. And actually speaking of moving fast, I forgot to ask you my opening question that I usually ask. Cause I was so like, I have to dive into this work. Usually I ask, uh, this is a safe space. Mental health check-in, how, how are you feeling today? Like in this moment? I'm feeling good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm feeling relaxed. It's day two of my bleed. And I'm, you know, when you're bleeding, you're more in like the theta brainwave. So you're like pretty Zen. So I'm pretty Zen. Wow. I wish I could feel Zen when I was on my period. (laughs) I feel like a lot of times it, it, uh, I think everyone's hormones act differently. So everyone has different reactions, but, uh, I think, um, it's usually, I guess once I'm actually bleeding, it's fine. But I know during PMS, sometimes I'll have at least one day per month where it's just like, everything sucks. I'm doubting yeah. every single decision I've made in my entire life. Totally. That's supposed to happen. <laughs> like that's what, that's what I was thinking. Is it when you bleed? I was thinking, is no, it when you bleed? Or I had to think before? about it really. I was like, no, yeah, I guess by the time yeah. I'm bleeding, it's fine. I'm just kind of like, oh, I don't like these cramps. But <laughs> well, the, the part before you bleed is called the luteal phase. And like what it's known for is that you have so much tension because you start to realize everything you hate about everything and you have very little physical energy to do anything about it. Mm. So in other times of your cycle, you actually like see things that are out of alignment and you have energy to do something about it. So you feel pretty good. But when you near your period, 
you you start to, to feel and sen- it's like being an oracle you're actually sensing where unconsciousness is around you okay. you're sensing what needs to shift what needs to change you just have very little um energy to help help move that through or make a difference or make a change yeah so that's really normal actually for a couple days to to feel a lot of anxiety a lot of grief a lot of frustration and that's why having practices to help move that through your body is like so important yeah, no, I agree hundred percent. I mean, I think my, my, the most powerful tool that I've been doing is just meditating every day as much as possible, but also like moving things through the body with yoga, um, especially mm. during that time of the month, like that, the gentle movement, you know, do you do any ecstatic, maybe not ecstatic sword, but like dance or like free flow movement or practices where you have no structure, no structure. Um, not as much during COVID because I guess like pre COVID, I might like be at a thing and there's music and then I'm dancing with my friends. But I feel like when I'm alone, it feels very weird to me. And I know it shouldn't to put on some music and just dance by myself, you know, mm-hmm. but it sounds like it could be fun if I could, if I could let myself get into well, it. Well, <laughs> the, reason, the reason why I say that is because like what you're, what you're presenting a lot of is a masculine approach. Uh-huh. Like meditate. Meditation is actually very masculine really? because it takes you into stillness and depth. Okay. And it's not, it's not energy. It's, mm-hmm. it's consciousness. So that's one of your modalities. And then you have yoga, which is also a structure. Mm-hmm. It's also, you go here, you go here, you go here. And so you're, you're again, following a kind of structure. There's no, there's no energy. There's no Shakti to it. And then your method of your emotions is to detach too, which is also masculine. So my hit, my sense <laughs> is that there could be like, I can feel how it would uh, be. I know it's a little bit nerve wracking or weird at first, but what I'm sensing, if you don't mind my unsolicited insight here. I love it. I love it. No, please. I need all the advice. Yeah. Uh, and I will also say, I don't always detach from my emotions. But the other thing that I do a lot is journaling so that I can just get it. Like I, I write whatever I'm feeling. It's and just great. It's great, it but it's out. not in the body. It's not in the body. I know. I was just, I, I'm being all defensive. I'm like, listen, <laughs> I do things. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. But this is, this is my, this is my, my job. I can't turn it off. And I, cause, cause journaling too is great. I'm a writer as well, uh-huh. but it's totally disembodied. It's here again, it's mm-hmm. in here and then it's here, it's on paper. But what about feeling the part of you that's actually volcano? Yeah. Could you ever get on your mat and then just for five minutes, let volcano become your body where you stomp your feet and you scream or you roar and then you pretend like you're lava pouring over a village, just burning everything to the ground. And then you flow into being a river and it's soft and intuitive. And then I jungle a cat, like these are what embodiment practices are like, or is when you let your body become nature itself. Mm. And it's very challenging for uh, more um, masculine proned bodies or, or just anybody in general, honestly, until you start doing this work, but it is the very key to allowing the more expressiveness and more sacred theater and more art in all of your life. Yeah. Cause you're I unlocking think- parts of yourself that are, are not currently online so to say yeah I mean because when I was a kid I used to do that I remember when you were saying that like in first grade one of my best friends in first grade we would crawl around the playground and pretend we were jaguars you know I just do that and that's like something that kids just so easily do or even when I went to theater school we did a lot of rolling around on the floor and a lot of embodiment of various animals or forces of nature or things like that and it really helped me to tap into emotion. So, mm. you know, it, it should be important for us to give ourselves permission to do that in our adult lives. Mm-hmm. Hey, Sunnies. Chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are looking to better yourself, right? You might be thinking, maybe it's time for me to go get a therapist. But then, you start thinking about all of the steps involved in finding a therapist. Do you have health insurance? Do you not have health insurance? Does it, your insurance even cover it? Uh, even after that, are you going to find someone that you like? You have to spend hours and hours pouring through all these different websites, reading the different therapists' bios, calling them only to find out they're not accepting new patients, even though it said they were on the website. What the heck, right? 
I don't want you to deal with any of this. So that's why I am happy to say Crying Behind Sunglasses is sponsored by BetterHelp. What is BetterHelp? Oh, well, I'm just so happy to tell you it is my favorite resource for online counseling. It's confidential, private, and convenient. You're able to tap into the world's largest network of licensed, accredited, and experienced counselors who can help you with a whole range of issues, whatever you're going through, if that's depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, grief, honestly, there is nothing these people cannot handle. Uh, if you go to betterhelp.com, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash cryingbehindpod, you can get 10% off your first month. And I just can't recommend them enough. I love the way that they are doing things. You can talk to your counselor any way you want, whether that's messaging, video chat, phone calls, I mean, you can't do all of that with a regular therapist. And also, they will match you after giving you a customized quiz so that therapist will actually be suited to your needs. And even if you don't like them, you can change your therapist at any time with no extra charge. So like I said, go get some help. Betterhelp.com slash cryingbehindpod and you'll get 10% off. someone was getting started with this kind of work, like where would we start? Would I say, okay, this is an emotion I'm having. Let's say it's anger, right? I could feel it bubbling up in me. It's very uncomfortable. I don't know what I'm mad about, but whatever. And (laughs) like, how do I like start with that embodiment? Do we just roll out a yoga mat and just see what happens? Do we put on music? Do we like breathe into different body parts? It depends on where everyone is in their journey. Okay. If your nervous system has a very strong response, like a very strong response to anger, the biggest, like probably the best, biggest thing you could do at the start of your journey is just <sighs> like, it's so like, if you can't see me cause you're listening, I'm just kind of like clutching up my chest, making mm-hmm. a small sound, just <sighs> Like you're just using your body to make a little bit of sound and you're using your physical body to reveal a little bit of how you feel. Yeah. Vocalizing like, a little bit. Yeah. And that, that might be where you're at today, you mm-hmm. know, or for someone else, their body associates, uh, anger with pain because mm-hmm. they always got in trouble for having anger. So what that person's practice would be, would be to, you know, pull out their yoga mat. They're not doing yoga, but lie <laughs> on their back and play yeah two or three songs that, that help you feel your, your grief, like just go deep into the grief because the grief is underneath the anger always. Mm-hmm. So just go into the grief and then also just spend, spend those three songs kind of touching your body sweetly and bringing pleasure to your thighs, pleasure to your arms. You're just like touching your, your body and feeling your feeling. Mm-hmm. So in that way, you're starting to associate <clears throat> anger and grief with, I can still feel pleasure. I can still feel pleasure. Now, if you're someone like me who has spurts of anger and you just want to be seen, sure. then you may want to film yourself throwing a temper tantrum and then send it to whoever deserves it. Whoever gets it. <laughs> That's actually my favorite thing to do because that per- it, it opens the moment when I send my fully embodied temper tantrum anger at my partner, my lover, whoever I'm saying, this is how I feel about you right now. They always come back to me of thank you for showing me that that was beautiful. Cause wow. it's like, I'm, I'm gifting them. Like I'm showing them a part of me that, that is kind of, it's a treat to be able to see. I'm, I'm saying, I trust you so much. I'm going to give you my fully embodied five-year-old girl and show you all the anger, all the collie I have around this. And it serves me to be seen. I want to be seen. I'm a Leo too. So being seen is just like my jam. There you go. Uh, So then I also get to create a little bit of art. So those are three things right there of like wherever people are at in their journey of how you can begin with, with this simple embodiment. Those are really great suggestions. So like to recap, um, just because I don't want, you know, people might be driving. I don't want them to have to take notes. We could, you know, you could start with a little vocalization if you're, you know, feeling that, or also there, like you were saying, there's a lot of pain underneath that anger. So you could go through your body and be really gentle towards your body and nourishing yourself and saying, it's okay. 
to feel that pain or also this filming yourself throwing a whole temper tantrum and sending it to someone or even just filming it and watching it back I feel like that could even also it's be totally a experience too yeah it is it is it is great too um so those those are very good concrete ideas and I'm, I'm just glad I asked because I wasn't sure like when you say oh I'm helping people with their masculine and feminine or I'm helping them embody things it's hard to imagine like okay what is that concretely look like or, or is it because it does sound like such an abstract idea but when you talk about it I'm like oh yeah that makes sense that makes a lot of sense and like when you told me that like I'm rooted in the masculine I know I, it's it's mm. it's a curse I don't know why I think oh, I'm it's just not a, a curse I'm it's very assertive and I'm very direct and uh that's always been a challenge for me especially in romantic relationships to be able to tap into that feminine and like let go a little bit <laughs> yeah so it's just to be very clear like you and most all everybody really and so okay. like I, I it's a I like to point this is what I've done for years is just point out because people think that I do yoga I'm feminine I meditate I'm feminine I'm like well yeah probably but also that's a masculine <laughs> practice so it's not a bad thing and it's it's either you're going to be someone who like no one's born perfectly knowing how to harmonize I mean actually everyone's born knowing how to perfectly harmonize no one as an adult without doing this kind of work knows how to perfectly harmonize. So you're either super on the feminine and want to summon in more of the masculine capability. You're super in the masculine and want to um, summon in more of the feminine. Sure. But really it's both. Even people who are masculine, primarily masculine could use to learn a little bit more about how to be masculine in like the, the grounded oak tree kind of way that's still respectful and kind. And then in the feminine, it's how do we constantly be bringing our revealing, our expression, our open-heartedness. And it doesn't mean softness. It just means ex expressiveness in our energy. And like you said, in dating, like, yeah, there's, there's a lot in dating of how do we bring the part of us that can magnetize our partner to us rather than the traditional manifest, which is very like masculine. How do we just sit back and magnetize them simply by being who we are? That's the feminine way. Yeah. I really resonate with that because my current partner, I do feel like maybe I, I dropped my usual way of being like you, I choose you. We're going to be in a relationship, right? Like I didn't do that at all. I literally wasn't looking and like, I knew what I wanted, but I was like, you know, whatever. And then he just showed up. Right. Mm -hmm. And there was maybe a running list in my head of things that I had been wanting from my previous partners. And he just ticked all those boxes. I wasn't like actively trying to manifest this partner. You know, I do try to actively manifest certain things in my life, but this wasn't. And so it was cool because it was such a surprise. And I was like, oh, this is so different than, than things normally happen for me. And that's probably why it worked out. Uh <laughs> it's beautiful. That's so great. So uh, that's really an, an interesting thing. Cause I think manifesting is good. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, especially for your career. If you're just like, okay, I need to envision myself in this successful place to be able to do it. But maybe in our love lives, it's not as useful. It depends on what, you know, what people want. The way that I believe it works best might not be what other people, you know, this work can be very triggering for some people. They really don't, uh, <laughs> you know, and that's totally fine. I just, I prefer the magnetizing way. I think that it doesn't mean that you can't create goals and you can't have lists of things that you want. You can't reflect and you can't journal and you can't meditate on your partner. Like these are all beautiful <laughs> sure. things. And I do it all the time. I really like sit and I, I reflect and I think about my, my wounds and the kinds of people that I attract that like, like to re-trigger those wounds and I sure. think about what it is that I'm, I'm, what's the medicine in each connection and each relationship. Um, and, and my path is simply then embodying those things. Like when I realize that, oh, I want to attract a, I want to attract a, a lover who will ravish me with his consciousness and devour me with his depth. I'm then I have to ask myself, all right, how do I need to eat, sleep, breathe, walk, and talk to be a woman who summons in a man who's ready to ravish me with his consciousness? Mm -hmm. So then I kind of flip it of like, how do I look? How do I appear? How do I act to, to, to magnetize that kind of person? And then I just embody whatever that is. Mm -hmm. I dress like that. I act like that. It's not that I'm becoming a different person. It's that I'm actually finding a new part of myself. I'm like, oh, I want to, I want to embody that the energy of she who must be ravished by a king. And that means that I'm going to dress a different way. 
because I'm clear. I'm, I'm in, in integrity with the transmission mm-hmm. of what I want to put out into the world, whether or not I get him. Like that's because that's that's kind of a key of how I just want to be in general. Yeah. Love is the key to everything. So whoever I'm trying to, to, to summon in to love me, it's only showing me who that I, who I want to be in the world. Yeah. It's really, that's, that's what it is. So whether or not I'm actually attracting that partner, it's not as big of a concern because now I'm just being the person that I want to be. What a powerful statement. Like who, whoever it is that you want to have love you, that's who you want to be. Like you're like, why would you say, oh, I want to be with someone who's controlling and manipulative and mean, like no one ever says that. Right. Mm-hmm. Everyone says, yeah. oh, I want to be with someone who's loving, someone who's kind, someone who's smart. It's like, yeah, okay. Those are attributes that you want to have yourself also. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's, it's a mirror mm-hmm. for yeah. however it is you feel about yourself. I mean, cause I think, um, like just bringing it back in to give a more of a real world example. Like I, in my early twenties was in a, in a relationship that was abusive, like verbally, emotionally, uh, not physically, but whatever, it doesn't matter, still abusive. And I think that um, the reason I was in that, not as a victim blaming thing, but just like, okay, this is, I was, I was in a very vulnerable spot. I didn't feel as good about myself, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I like attracted someone who could prey upon that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, and that, and that takes a lot to unpack, you know, to say mm-hmm. like, after I got out of that relationship, oh, okay, there's a lot of healing that needs to be done here. I need to reclaim my identity, um, and figure yeah. out like how to really love myself and how to really like claim my identity. And, um, then when people meet me, they see like, oh, this is how she's showing up. This is how I'm going to treat her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, Emotional abuse is a really interesting thing because it shows us where we are not fully stepping into a, whatever boundary we need to be setting. Exactly. To. It's a, uh, they're actually, I have this really beautiful um, book here. And I was reading this line. I'm curious what you think about it. Yes, please. Uh, so this book is, um, it's, it's from the Gene Keys. Are you familiar with that? Gene Keys. Okay. Never mind. So I won't, I won't go into the whole thing. It's a whole, it's kind of like astrology, but 10 times better. Okay. And this Uh, has to do with genetics. It has to do with DNA and spirituality together. And you get a profile, it's all that stuff. But he, this guy who created the gene keys, his name is Richard Rudd. And he writes about physical abuse being a situation that you need to prepare to leave. You need to get your team. You need to um, have support for it. Then he has this one chapter um, in his book that says, I'm just going to read it verbatim because I think it's super interesting. Um, Emotional abuse can teach you an extraordinary gift if you have the depth of commitment in your own heart. Emotional abuse can teach you forgiveness. In fact, emotional abuse can teach you there is no such thing as emotional abuse except through your own choice. Mm. I'm going to put a little caveat there besides if you're a kid, if you're Mm -hmm. a child. Uh, We choose whether we are a victim of someone else's patterns or not. Therefore, emotional conflict can teach you the awesome art of returning non-love with love. I'm I'm contemplating that. I'm really feeling into it because it's, I believe that emotional abuse is 100% a thing, but I also agree with what he's saying is that what emotional abuse is teaching is showing us that if we're choosing to stay, we're choosing to stay and accept that behavior in some kind of way, because oftentimes that kind of behavior that's coming at us is giving us a really exquisite opportunity. Mm. And that might yeah. be something to uh, yeah. unpack at another time, but. No, it's interesting. I mean, I think in that specific thing, it was, it's like, it takes two to tango, right? So that person was a narcissist and had their own way of operating, right? And also I think me being so young and having so little experience with relationships, I didn't know what was right. And it's not like on day one, that person shows up that way, right? It's like, oh, they're super charming and great for the first however many months or whatever. And then slowly but surely one day you wake up and you're like, what kind of behavior am I accepting? (laughs) This is crazy, but- um, Yes, it teaches, it, it does, it's probably the biggest teacher in my, been the biggest teacher in my life as far as relationships go, because after that, I was like, no, I will not accept this behavior. No, mm-hmm. this is my boundary, right? And I don't know if I would have been as strong in all of my boundaries and 
um, those sorts of things if I had not gone through that experience. Totally. So it yeah. did teach me a lot. Do I want to do it again? No. Of course not. Of course <laughs> but not. I think if you can learn from it, great. Yeah. And yeah, I, I completely agree with that. That's beautiful. Thank you yeah. You know, something else that was really interesting to me uh, that I was listening to um, from you was the different relationship dynamics where that's like omega and alpha. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering like, is so there's the omega, omega, alpha, 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 omega. I've been in all of those. Is there an ideal version of that? And like, if you're in a relationship that is two omegas or two alphas is there a way to transform it so that there is more of a yin and a yang yeah so let me explain what they are just oh sure who hasn't heard that. yes listeners dear listeners <sighs> let's find out what alpha and omega even are <laughs> so it's basically the same thing as what we've been talking about it's feminine sure. masculine but just another way to phrase it okay um and this the these three different dynamics were first shared with me by london angel winters and justin patrick pierce who are another a great set of teachers around feminine masculine dynamics. They don't like the words feminine masculine, so they use alpha and omega. Mm-hmm. And there are three different dynamics that any and every relationship is in, always. Mm-hmm. Like you're always moving between the three. You're never just one. Sure. So there's alpha and omega, which is uh, a masculine and a feminine. So there is a, um, a energy of um, consciousness and one of energy, one of ravishment and ravishy. It is the, it is, you could say, um, lead and follow, but I don't really, I don't really like those words very much. It's like the yin and yang, really it's polarity. Mm-hmm. There's one person that's penetrating and one person that's like pulling in receiving. Sure. And not, it's not passive. It's like, you're actually like in making an invitation. Actively then, receiving. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're fully in it. You're fully mm-hmm. receiving. You're, you're sucking it in basically. Cool. <laughs> and so then there is Omega Omega, which is more like an easygoing best friend kind of state where neither one of you are directing, neither one of you are piercing with consciousness and you're both kind of bringing the energy. So you're laughing, it's fun, it's playful, or it's just really easy. Mm-hmm. And then there's Alpha Alpha. And that is like the, the archetype of the power couple, mm-hmm. you're both building a business, you're both leading, you're both directing, you have your personal empires or you're, you're sharing an empire together. So Omega Omega and Alpha Alpha, they work for certain periods of time, but you don't want to be there for, for long because there is no eroticism. There's sure. no distance to travel. So the interesting thing about relationships is that you need sameness to be in one. Mm -hmm. You both want to live in a house together. You both want. Yeah. You have shared values, shared goals. And then for polarity to exist, you need opposition. So relationship needs sameness. Sexy time needs opposition. Mm. Have fun. (laughs) So once you get all the things down pat and you like really work on being uh, you know, living in a space together, watching shows together, you, then a lot of times you start to realize, okay, I'm not wanting to jump your bones anymore. Yeah. And that's when you learn how to move into alpha omega. And that does require skill. That's everything that I personally teach on all my videos, my podcasts, is how do we move into a polarized state? And it can happen like that. It doesn't need to happen after a full day of doing this, that, and the other thing It can actually happen by the feminine practitioner letting go of her leadership, her white knuckle grasp on leading or telling him what to do or showing how she's right and embracing more of her sacredly helpless energy. And she just lets go or she brings in a bit more energy in the way that she talks or the way that she emotes or the way she moves in the kitchen it can also happen in an instant from the alpha player, the masculine player, bringing more direction quickly, just giving a little bit more guidance or the way he stands or the way he speaks. So you can polarize a moment so effortlessly yeah. and so beautifully. Once you start to train these things, it's a skill. So I hear all the time from people being like, ah, oh, darn it. We're where my couple, my relationship is Omega Omega. I'm like, well, yeah, a lot of couples are, but then you learn how to go into Alpha Omega, or you learn how to both create a little bit more Alpha. 
Yeah. And even though we do refer to it as masculine feminine, like I have a ton of listeners that are LGBTQ or in whatever different kinds of relationships, or even if they're in a heterosexual relationship, maybe the roles are reversed. The main thing is that there just has to be an opposite, like, Mm -hmm. right. You can just, you choose whichever role it is you feel comfortable in, but it doesn't really have to do with your gender. Is that has nothing to do with your gender. Yeah. Like I will say, I I work a lot with hetero couples. Mm -hmm. So the words that I'll use, I'll say like, it's your inner he or your inner she. Mm -hmm. Like when I say the feminine, it is not gendered. It is not the woman, Mm -hmm. but a lot of the the women that I work with Mm -hmm. are primarily feminine. So when I say the feminine, they know that that's more of their energy. So if you are um, binary there might still be one of these energies that you relate to more. Like you love to bring the energy. You love to bring the liveliness to any given moment. Or perhaps you love to bring the depth and you don't have emotions that go this way, that way, this way, that way, all over the place. Mm -hmm. You're really quite centered and grounded and you want to be the one to bring more of the structure Mm -hmm. in your love life. So the cool thing about, um, about these energies and knowing that they're really not gendered and being in a relationship that is same sex is that it takes a lot more integrity of the moment. Mm. Like it's, it is easy for a hetero couple to, who believes in this kind of work to be like, okay, well, I'm the feminine practitioner. I'm the masculine practitioner. You just do that thing. And it's kind of your go-to default. Right. But if you're in a same sex relationship, you really have to pay attention to what the moment needs. Your partner may be in a lot of their energy. They're, they're, they're crying or they're emoting or they're sad or they're, they're distracted or, or something. And you realize that they need some structure and then you, you can just feel that moment of, okay, this moment would be served best by me being the one to embody the alpha and kind of say something along the lines of baby, go take a shower. I'm going to order us food. And then afterwards, we're just going to relax on the couch. You just give that person guidance. You give Give them them permission. Give them permission, but they may not even know that's what they want or need. So you're yeah. actually, you're giving them your gift of telling them what to do. And it's, it's sexy, it's hot and actually creates opposition. It creates polarity. Mm. So for anyone that is in same sex relationships, this all the same stuff applies. There's just a lot more attention to the nuances of the moment that you have to give and, and generosity. Because maybe you both want to be in your energy and in your feminine, but one of you has to decide, okay, I'm going to bring in the consciousness. I'm going to hold space for this person to share all the things that they need to share, and then we'll switch. Mm. And this, this goes for all couples, all relationships, but I'm glad you brought that up because I just want to make sure I make that clear. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's very interesting. Like, I think that also in heterosexual relationships, it can change from moment to moment. Sometimes there's, you know, regardless of gender, there's one person might be feeling one way a certain day and then a different day, they feel a different way. So it's good to just kind of check in and listen and see what that moment needs. And that takes, that takes a lot of skill. I'm sure it's probably a practice that could be honed over time. I don't think this is something that we get perfect the first time. Right. No, no, no. It takes years. Honestly, it's a practice for a reason. You're showing up to the mat of relationship. Mm. Wow. Showing up to the mat of the relationship. I love mm-hmm. that. I like that as, as like, I can, I can visualize that. Cause I know in yoga, they're like, always like, yeah, you showed up today. That was half right. the work. Give right. yourself a pat on the back. That's, that's it. However, these poses go, like, just accept it, love yourself, do it. You know, mm-hmm. before we go, uh, there is a segment I like to ask all of my guests called hot tips. Hot tips, hot tips, hot tips. Madeline, if you have a shitty day, whatever that looks like for you, maybe you have a difficult client, uh, maybe you try to film a video, it doesn't turn out the way you want, or uh, I know you're in the middle of maybe writing a book, maybe you have a bunch of pages that you're just like, I'm crumbling these and throwing them in the trash, right? Bad day. (laughs) When you are done with your day, you come home, what is something that you do to turn that around for yourself? my, My whole thing is art. So I make art. That's really uh-huh. what I do. I'll make some kind of art, either filming a video of me doing a temper tantrum or make a TikTok reel or write again. So like that, that's my modality. I, it's everything to do with embodiment of playing characters of like taking whatever this real life thing is and then making something useful out of it. Mm. So 
I also love food. I love chocolate. I love baths. I love washing my face, but there's nothing quite like creating a piece of art um, in a moment of, of, of closure to create openness. Mm, love that. Yeah. I think tapping into your creativity and then you can make something tangible and you can look at it and be like, oh, wow, I did that. That's beautiful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's so cool. Uh, well, I really appreciate your time, Madeline. And um, everyone, please check out her podcast, uh, Mind Body Musings. Uh, and we can check you out on Instagram, um, Madeline Moon. What else? How else can people find you online? Yeah, so you can go to maddymoon.com, M-A-D-D-Y, moon.com. I have a, a workshop on there that is very inexpensive, $47, called Artistic Intimacy. Mm-hmm. And it'll actually teach you a lot of the ins and outs of creating art in your relationships and in your intimacy. And I also have a free feminine embodiment practice on my website um, and other courses. So all the stuff you could possibly want will be found there, maddymoon.com. Ooh, okay. Well, we're going to check that out. I'm excited. Also, I feel like I have just barely scratched the surface of all of your knowledge. I'm probably going to have to bring you back at some point. <laughs> sure. I'd love to. But thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. And um, yeah, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And if you want to learn more about Madeline and the important work that she's doing, you can check out maddymoon.com. That's M-A-D-D-Y. Or if you go to cryingbehindpod.com, that's where I put up all of our episode guides and links to everything that we talked about, all the different teachers that she learned from as well. Uh, And I just really appreciate all of you. You know, it's brings a lot of joy to my life to know that I'm putting these conversations out there, destigmatizing all of these conversations about mental health. So I appreciate you being out there and being a part of this movement. If you want to connect further, you can check out our Facebook support group at facebook.com slash group slash crying behind pod. You can also find me, Katie Dahl, on Instagram at Katie Dahl, K-A-T-Y-D-O-L-L-E. Or you can also check out the Instagram for the podcast at crying behind pod. And also, if you ever want to write in for advice, I occasionally do a Q&A segment here. So that's cryingbehindpod at gmail.com. Or even if you want to just drop me a line and let me know something you loved about the show, something you hated and you never want me to talk about again, or a suggestion for a guest that I might need to interview, let me know. Drop me a line. And uh, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast or share it with a friend who might enjoy it. And until next time, stay cool, stay present, stay sunny.